Hi, I'm Pastor Lori Boucher, and I want to personally welcome you to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Are you ready to study the Bible together chapter by chapter? If you go to heartstrong.life and sign up for a free membership, you will get access to the full Bible reading plan and all the bonus discipleship content that we have prepared for you. Open up your Bible and get ready to take some notes because God is going to speak to you today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together through the study of God's Word. It's great to see you, Andreas and Ermery, um, for this conversation that we're going to have today. And, you know, as we, as we come together today, I really wanted to have a pastorals, a pastoral heart conversation about discipleship, about the challenges that we face as pastors, um, in the culture today and the concerns on our heart for the church, our churches, of course, but the church at large, the church in Canada. And I, I really wanted, as we dig into this conversation for, you know, I know all of us, uh, you know, we get up in the pulpit and we teach and we teach God's word and we're discipling people on a weekly basis, but also throughout the week, many people, and then through HeartStrong every day. But I wanted us to kind of put the teacher, I know, and it's a little bit hard, right? Because our gifts fire up, but, but not this is this conversation to be a little bit less teaching. So we're not going to unpack the stories of scripture. We do that every day in HeartStrong, but I really wanted to give people a little bit of insight to the heart of a pastor, to like, what keeps us awake at night to, you know, what are the deep burdens that we carry and really let them inside the heart and the mind of a pastor as we're getting up into the pulpit, as we're stepping into leadership, as we're being criticized um, every single day. Let's be honest. Being criticized? Really? (laughs) You know, it's it's on terrorism. (laughs) <laughs> and then maybe it's just you Lori. <laughs> and then in the climate you know that we find ourselves in our nation like it is a climate of strife and divisiveness and pick a side like you need to pick a side and you need to stand on your side and there's this, this invitation and temptation every day so all of that is going on and then we're inviting people to become more like Jesus and so that is a challenge that is a real challenges. So I kind of just wanted to open the table right now. Um, as I set, set the table with that heart that, you know, we want to share from, but with a question, what would be, and I'll, I'll invite, um, you Andreas and Ermery to kind of start, uh, in, in your answer to this, and then Jason and I can follow, but what would be some of your honest pastoral concerns in regards to the lack of discipleship that we see in our churches, in the church in Canada, in Christians in general, um, what would be some of your concerns as you look at this and as you walk with people? Um, you know, Laurie, um, Jason, so good to see you guys again. Um, my biggest concern right now that I find um, in the church and just people surrounding us and, and in the church is in regards to people don't think they need it. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's this, this mindset that why do I have to live a life like Christ? Like, what's the use of it? There, there's been 
you know, there's technology and I can depend on myself. And, you know, my parents did it and it didn't work out that well for them because they never became rich and famous and people of influence. But, but what we, we don't recognize and what I feel what, what people don't recognize is, is that when we follow Jesus' Jesus's ways and, and become a disciple of Christ, following his ways, that means that God's included in our lives which means our lives are way richer than it would have been if we just follow our own way. So uh, I'm not sure if I'm voicing that. No, right. but uh, well, I'm going to add to that. And I think that the, this problem that you're talking about is a clear reflection on where we're lacking as believers mm-hmm. and as churches, because our lives as believers are not looking that much greater than those who don't have Jesus. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if the world looks to us as believers and they're like, if that, that is a believer's life, that person has Jesus Christ in the center of their life. I do not want that life. Look at how they're always struggling. They're always um, frustrated. Their, their family is destroyed. Look at, and, and that's just the reality because Becoming a believer of Christ and a disciple does not make us perfect, but our lives should look different. The way we handle temptation, the way we handle trials and tribulations and struggles, we're still going to deal with those even as believers, but we should look, we should have joy in the midst of that. And I think this is the saddest part is we don't see that. And I said to Andreas multiple times over the last two years, as we've navigated through this pandemic, the disappointment that I've had in my heart, seeing believers navigate this just the same as non-believers. And I would look at it and I'm like, why? Like, how is this possible that we're not looking different, that we're not navigating this differently as, as a family and as the church, as the global church? And obviously I'm not, we can't generalize, but that was that was something that really made me realize that we're doing some things wrong as as church leaders and as as leaders of faith and we have to go inside and search what it what it is that we're missing or what have we it's like if if i'm a personal trainer and i'm a bo- i'm training bodybuilders and after 10 months of training they're still not able to lift the weights or know what to do with it I got to go like, okay, where God, like, how do I need to change to be better at what you've called us to be as equipping the saints and equipping disciples? So I, was, I maybe have a question for Jason, which I'd love for him to give me the divine answer to. Um, <laughs> do you think? No pressure, no pressure. Do you think, and, and this is really something which I've been struggling with, is the, the point of accountability holding people accountable for actions and for decision-making. And I want to compare it to kind of what it says in the Bible that, that we're running a race. Uh, yeah. the, the purpose of a race is there's accountability along the way and you have to get to the finish line. And have we become so graceful um, and maybe so cultural uh, changed to jaded, jaded that everybody gets a ribbon, no matter if they reach the, you know, a hundred meter line or not, it doesn't finish line, even get close to it. it I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Thanks for the softball question. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that there's lots that we can probably together lovingly, like lead, lean into there. Um, 
because you know when I look at Jesus, I think a lot of I think a lot of us as followers of Jesus equate following him as fair, but his heart is really towards freedom, and um, mm. that doesn't necessarily mean that he'll lead me in a way that I think is fair or. Yeah. You know, he, he may require obedience of me that is different from somebody else. Like there are certain things like that we all have on our lives, like forgiveness. It's, it's not, I never have to, add, none of us have to pray, do I need to forgive? Yeah. It's pretty clear and it's mm. for everybody. And there's lots of things like that. But then I think in the secondary, when I look at how he led the inner circle of his three to his 12, to his 70, to his 120, um, it was quite different. And it, the closer you were, the less fair he was. Like when he looks at Peter and says, you know, get behind me, Satan, like he addresses right away. Like it's because ultimately that was for Peter's life. I know there was Jesus implications there, but again, in saying that, so yeah, I think you're onto something that we need to lovingly lead in here into here is my dad, you know, as a pastor for 40 years, would always say, yeah, I'm your pastor until I uphold you to God's word. And then it, we'll really see if I'm your pastor or not, because you can find anyone to agree with any, any, any perspective today. Um, and even more so in our time with podcasts and everything, yeah. you can find anyone to take your side, to agree with you, to undo, but in a local context with a loving local pastor, assuming that we're being loving, um, Man, oh man, I, I think there's stuff to lean into there for sure. And imperfectly, right? Oh. The thing that's so hard about, I think, this job that we do is that, you know, we stand as brothers and sisters with every person that we're leading under God, right? We're under, we're all under God as children of God, and we do it imperfectly. Our leadership is imperfect. But we have been given a responsibility yeah. by God for this position to walk alongside people and to hold them to account, like you're saying, Andreas, to hold them to account, to be able to walk in the ways of Jesus so that, again, when they're tested and when the trials come, they don't fall to the wayside. They're not lost. They're not blaming God. God, why is this happening? They're not walking away and abandoning yeah. their faith. And I think when I... Um, you know, what my biggest concern and what like hurts my heart, like it actually burdens my heart space is when I see somebody going through a very difficult time. And in the midst of that, their discipleship doesn't hold them that all that they know about God and the and who he is, it doesn't hold them. And instead they think that maybe he, they blame him for it. They, they believe somehow that because they're Christians, this shouldn't be happening instead of actually grabbing hold of the provision mm. God has for them in that moment. And, and that literally breaks my heart and people fall away all the time. I mean, if you look at pastoring for a number of years, how many people have fallen to the wayside? And, and I mean, I can't do it for them. I can show them the way, but mm -hmm. I can't make those choices for them. So for me, I just feel so sad because the truth is there is a very real enemy and he wants to take them out spiritually. He wants, if you're listening to this call, you have a very real enemy and he wants to take you 
out. He does not want you in relationship with God or relationship with his body. And so if there's any way he can get in to take you out, that is his plan. And so if you find yourself wandering, like come back to the only one that does have provision, like God's provision is available for, why do you think he said, you know, count it all joy when you face trials. Do you think any of us like that scripture? No, we hate that scripture. But the truth is there's a provision. Not me, I love it. In the trial, right? So again, this is <laughs> really burdens me, but also frustrates me. Like it's both. It's a sadness yeah. and a burdening, but also frustration yeah. because I think there really is more. For sure. Oh, now another thing. And, and oh, Lord, I, yeah. No, I, I sorry. I just want to say one thing. I think might have been a mistake in the past with churches, but I think we're all dealing with this. Accountability is not for the sake of trying to catch you out, to 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 try and holding people accountable. Not to see, oh, I'm I'm gonna see when you fail. I wanna I wanna keep you accountable. It is also excesses. It's also for the victories that you have. And I think in the past, what has happened with church and even when we go to Catholic church and, uh, and the confession of sin and the, I think in the past, there might have been um, a misdirection of accountability. It, it wasn't to keep you in a place of being defeated. Accountability is to get you to a place of understanding what your victory really in Christ, who you are in Christ. So, so and, and that's kind of my heart when I tell people that we want to hold them accountable. I'm not, I don't want to hold you accountable to see when you fail. It's, that's not the purpose of it. Accountability mm-hmm. is, is to every, every single time let you rise higher in who you are. And, and that is one of the struggles which I think many people in the world face when they go to church and they hear the word accountability. Mm-hmm. Because in the past, it's been associated with failure. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to be the heart of our church and yours. It's Well, and, and I think a big piece of this is, and Lauren, Jason, you guys have shared this in your, in your vision for HeartStrong, um, is that it's not the things that we do, but it's, a, it's who we are being. And I think that is the piece that makes the big difference is Mm. what is a disciple is it being able to do a b c or d no no and that's what heart strong is all about Mm. it's to equip you to be living in a place where you are responding to life where you're responding Mm -hmm. to thoughts questions from a posture of a disciple which is a state of being yeah. And when we can be in that place of a state of being, then I believe that all of us would succeed more at, at being in that place. But also a lot of that frustration that we see in the church would not be there because people are trying to do and are trying to be this disciple. But then when when life happens, you can't be that because you're not strong in those moments. You become subject to life's in, in circumstances. And the, but if if this being a disciple is a who you are and a a posture and a a mindset, then you can, because that's not a choice. That is just who you are. That is how you respond. And that is how you do. And, um, and so that is, I mean, that's what I love about HeartStrong and the vision behind this and this incredible opportunity to be discipled, because then we can become disciples, not try to be, pretend to be one. Yeah, Yeah. It's so, oh, it's so good. That is really powerful. So I have a question for you guys. 
sharing a little bit, you guys just shared a little bit about those frustrations and, and what's the other word that you use frustration and um, burdens of, of seeing believers and the church really struggle in this area. Does that sometimes make you get up in the morning and feel like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Let's just have an honest conversation here as pastors and as church leaders, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know what? There have been seasons in ministry where, you know, we go for walks. We like to kind of process some of the really the heaviness on our heart through walks. So we'll go through walks and there, there are days we're flipping coins. Like we're like, you know, I don't know if we want to do this anymore. Is it working? Is it effective? You know, are we actually discipling people or the criticisms begin to come or the hurts happen? And all of the sudden you feel like, wow, my margin for being able to lean into these spaces are just becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. And so, yeah, it can be very discouraging. And we have been in several different seasons of life where we've thought, hmm, I wonder if we want to continue to do this. Now, one interesting thing I do want to share is that on one of these walks, probably about uh, almost two years ago, probably a year and a half ago, just after the pandemic started, I remember um, spending some time with the Lord and I felt this real resolve come into my spirit, a resolve in my call, a resolve in that I was where I was supposed to be. And of course, I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't know what the journey was going to look like over the next two years that we've been in and how difficult it's been. But it's so interesting because in this, particularly in this pandemic season, I, I personally been coins because a resolve came into my spirit that I knew that I was here for such a time as this more so than in other seasons. I have been in other seasons where I've literally been like, I think I'm done. Like I'm out. I, I, I can't do this mm -hmm. anymore. It's too hard. It's too painful. It's not working. Um, I'm not effective. I'm not good at this. I'm not called to do this. All of those things were kind of at play. Um, but in this last two years, like the, and that honestly was the Holy spirit. He, he gave me that. And I can see now looking back, I needed that because this would have been one of the highest coin flipping seasons, I think of ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's probably a little different for you, Jay, but that's been a little bit of my, uh, sort of heart. Yeah. I think that calling, like when I think about calling, I, I think about primary and secondary and you know, my primary calling, our primary calling is to follow Jesus. And that pastoral or, or apostolic or in an evangelistic sense, a teaching sense or a shepherding sense, that's just in like a child of God following Jesus. That's the primary calling. The secondary calling is what it looks like. And I think God can change that over seasons. So I've seen pastors who kind of go into marketplace ministry and they, they are keep the primary primary and they flourish in that. So for me, it's helpful to keep it unto those things, uh, which to me is this beautiful space, like where Peter betrays Jesus, Jesus calls him back and he asks him that, you know, that famous question three times, like, do you love me? And then do this, then do this. But in the three questions, it's always, he brings Peter back, Peter, do you love me? And mm -hmm. it has to, it has to start there. 
And one of the things that I personally wrestle with within my calling is, is it a job or is it a genuine calling? Is it a ministry thing? Because even if I were to change, I would be constrained by my calling. In other words, I would do the same thing <laughs> as long as I keep, do I love this? And usually that's the part that's got to get healed in my vision. Um, you know, because let's be honest, even in the last couple of years, it's been a lot of really important conversations on how church leaders have wounded churches. Um, mm. oh, and that's a, yeah. that's a very important conversation. It's a necessary conversation. And that is a part of accountability. Like you were saying, Andreas, on the positive, but then also on the other side of the confessional coin. However, I've not ever met a church pastor who has not also been deeply wounded by people in the church. Oh. And so we're all wounded yeah. in needing of healing from God we can't abdicate that responsibility. So I think sometimes the collision between when I mix up calling and calling is what I'm doing and not loving Jesus, then I'm lost a bit. When I get wounded yeah. by the church, um, that causes a lot of confusion in my emotions and in my mind and in my thinking. And so God's got to straighten that. And then oftentimes when I begin to think about ministry as a vocation rather than a calling, that messes me up too. So I, yes, I've had different mm -hmm. seasons in my life where all three of those things have gotten messed up and lovingly the Lord uh, through his word, but also through loving people help realign those three kind of dials mm -hmm. on the dashboard of my life. So that's what it would look like mm -hmm. for me. So yeah, like Lori said, yeah. I definitely gone through seasons like that, um, but I do feel constrained by it in a beautiful way, constrained by the Lord in a beautiful way, and sometimes a very frustrating way. But Ermory wanted yeah. to know, have you yeah. ever wanted to quit? Yes. <laughs> yes. We. Oui. I I'll got say that it, from I'll, I'll say, I'll say it in French. I'll say it in French. We, oui, because I'm bilingual. We. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say it in Afrikaans. Yeah, for see I get. Hey, trilingual. Yeah. I'll say it in tongues. I'll say it in tongues. What about you guys? What about you guys? How do you feel about that? No, have you ever yeah, wanted no, to no, I think. Have you ever wanted to know? For sure. Yeah, for sure. if it's not for the money. <laughs> it wasn't for the for the incredible benefits and pension plan and the pension you know, plan is union it's eternal union safety and all of those things right if it wasn't for all of that uh, yeah no I think um I think both of us have I think it's just an ongoing um it's ongoing right we've been we've been in he's been in ministry way longer than I have because before we even got married but We've been in full-time ministry in Canada since 2005. And so, so going to almost 20 years. And I think, you know, I, I wouldn't know really what that cycle is, but maybe once a year, I would say, if I had to like, maybe more <laughs> often for you, but we, you come to that place where you just go, there's just, there's just, it just seems so exhausting. And you can just think if I, but, but it's, it's, the Lord always comes and corrects that because usually that desire to walk away from what, what I do believe is our calling is because we want the flesh 
to have its way. Because sometimes you walk away from things and go like, if if we just don't, not this, if we're not pastors, we could just say, you know what? No, bye-bye. Not interested in this. We're not going to deal with this. We're not going to, but that's not Jesus's way. And Jesus's way is always higher. And there is that accountability when you step in and function in that calling for a vocation of of being accountable to God for every single thing. And I mean, every believer has that, but it does feel a little bit more pressing in the pastoral um, position and, and with that responsibility of people. We have hundreds of people that we have been entrusted to shepherd. And some days you just feel like, I don't, I don't have any more to give. I have no more to give to these people. And if I can walk away, I can just think about myself and my needs and go find a job that, that does not take this much out of me, but it doesn't last long. Those, those thoughts, because God always corrects, like you said, so, so lovingly, he comes and he corrects that. So that's that's what it is for me. And I think so, sometimes Andreas carries the load heavier than what I do. And I think that is... He's here. He can speak. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> I want to say for me, when he carries it heavier, it's always also heavier on me. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I know that he wants to quit or he feels tired or drained... I feel the same. So I sometimes carry it for myself, but I also sometimes carry it for him. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think maybe Jason and you and Laurie can recognize with it. I, my biggest, uh, I want to say challenge and, and um, not, it's not a struggle, but, but it is a, it's about feeding and shepherding the people. Well, that's, that's kind of my, my biggest challenge that I've I find I think that people that 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 are some of you people that might be listening to this don't understand regarding somebody leading a church and being a senior pastor or lead pastor of a church is making sure that whatever we preach and whatever programs we do and whatever direction we are going in as a church is God's best for them and and I preach saying 48 times a year so for 48 Sundays a year, you, you're constantly seeking and asking God, what do you want to say this week? Where do you want to go this week? What's on your heart for the people? And, I, and that for me is probably one of the hardest things to, to um, navigate is, is that constant preparing, but seeking, right? Seeking God. And then I have to prepare for that, right? And the, and the timing and the plan. And then sometimes you get to a place where, You've preached and you felt, man, this is God's word for the people. And then you preach it and then they hear it and they go, that was an amazing message and nothing changes. Mm-hmm. That's at times where I feel like I want to quit. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I mean, I know this is for you. I know if you take this, it's going to impact and change your life. And, like and apply the word, apply, apply the, the word. word. I, I know, I know that this is God's word for you. And so, so that for me are probably the, the, the main things that can demotivate mm-hmm. or I think what the enemy would use to discourage us mm-hmm. is we know the fruit that God wants to see in people's lives. And we, and, and we try to do the work, put everything into it. We possibly can. And, the fruit's not always there. Yeah. That, that for me is, is probably one of my, my uh, biggest challenges I face. Um, 
on a, I want to say not on a daily, but definitely weekly, um, on a weekly basis. Man, I just want people to have more of God in their lives. I, I want that for him. But the challenge then is seeking yourself also. Like you, you're so focused on the body that you almost miss him for you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, pa- every pastor must lead from such a place of humility because we recognize like we don't, there's, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for all pastors, but we definitely don't think we perfectly. We don't think we hear perfectly. We don't think every message mm-hmm. and every word that we teach is taught perfectly. We, we see God through the filter of ourself. We see, you yeah. know, we learn through our own you know, pain and past and all of those things cloud our ability to, mm-hmm. um, understand the fullness of who God is. All of that is a part of this journey, but, but what people don't understand is that we are given the stewardship of the body of Christ, of the people that God has placed in the community that we're called mm-hmm. to lead. We're called to steward them. And it's a different role than others who are a part of that body. And I think, you know, when I, when I think about that and I think about this conversation, like I never want anybody to think that I know, I think I know better. I think I know everything. I get it right. Uh, you know, and even what I see about someone else's life exactly right on every time. And I think sometimes I'll maybe hold back because I might think, oh, maybe I don't know the whole story. Maybe I'm not seeing this exactly mm-hmm. clearly. Maybe I'm looking at it through uh, a different filter. But one of the questions I'd love for us to dig into as pastors is that, you know, how do how do people know when they're being deceived? And I kind of um, set this question up this way because I want to lead from a place of humility. And I, I know that the only way that I can keep that in check is if I am actually willing and putting myself in different positions to say, hey, I want to run this by you. What do you think about this? Am I hearing correctly? Do you see anything in this? I have to live my life in a way that allows for people to speak into my life, to be able to call out things when they see it, for them to call me higher when they see it. But I have to actually feel that way in leadership to do that. What do you think about just the the deception that we're seeing over so many people, the divisions that are happening in our culture? And how do you think as Christians, we get to the place where we can recognize deception? And it's such a crazy question because how do you recognize deception? You don't know you're being deceived when you're being deceived. But I think this is one of the wrestles we have as pastors of trying to lead people to truth. So Again, I'm not sure what the question is in there, but deception, divisions, how do we navigate all of that, do you think, as pastors and leaders? <laughs> Thank you for the softball question. <laughs> I got you. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Laurie, I, I think for me, what what I have discovered is that people want us to have opinions on things that has got nothing to do with the church. It's, it's almost like they want us to take a stand on things that, it, that are not the things that we are, that we preaching or that we're standing for, what the purpose of the church is. They, they want you to become 
political, take political sides, take agenda yeah. sides and opinion sides and cultural sides. And, and I think that is probably the, the struggle and the challenge for pastors is to make sure that our mandate is to preach the word. And my mandate is to call you to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, within that, you are welcome to have your opinions, but I'm not going to change or adapt the word based on opinions. I'm going to preach the word the way it is. Um, and I'll, I will explain what my understanding is of the word to the people. Um, and you have a choice if you want to want to take my understanding of it or not. That It is your decision to make. But the challenge is, is when they expect you to take their stand. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm sure you have in your church also. Especially over the last two years. Last two, well, yeah. I, I mean, even we're not even in America, but since Trump's election, uh, there were people in church that want you to take stands on the U.S. politics, and we're in Canada, <laughs> right? It, it's and you've got two sides, and both sides want you to to push their agenda. Mm-hmm. And and for us, what what we've done throughout this whole process. Um, throughout the last two years have been to to say we are our mandate is Jesus if your conduct does not align with him if your your speech your Facebook presence your comments your if it doesn't align with loving people if it doesn't align with forgiving being kindness extending grace if it doesn't align with that then there needs to be correction but but our mandate is Jesus so everything else, you're welcome to have your opinions. When we come to our home and we have friends, close friends here, we can speak our opinions regarding things here. But church should not be a place where, where we are trying to force agendas opinion. So our challenge has been to try and keep it out. Yeah, yeah. really hard to keep it out. But I think mm-hmm. another thing that, have, that you have led beautifully in over the last through all of these things is to measure the fruit. Mm. And I think that even when you talk about deception is how do I know if I'm being deceived? How do I know if, if this is really from God or not? And I mean, I, that's a great answer. That's the one I wanted to give. Hmm. Uh, it's not, the, <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that we always know, right. It's like you said, we, uh, Andreas preached a whole series on, I was wrong when I said, um, because we, we have to always be teachable and humble in front of the Lord to be changed and be corrected. Um, and we are, as leaders, we are. But um, the fruit is the measuring stick. I mean, the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm-hmm. Jesus came so that there can be life and life abundantly, and we could have that. And that is not just referring to eternal life in heaven. Mm. That is heaven here on earth, an abundant life. So if the way I'm trying to force a stance a stand or take a stance or if the way I respond to people or how I feel about people's opinions um, or a scripture that I am sharing in a specific way, if the result of that, the fruit of that does not line up with an abundant life, which is what all about Jesus, then I have to be looking at that and go, this could be deception. Mm-hmm. This could be not really from Jesus because the fruit does not line up with that. And I think that is just for us. It's the that challenge measuring. is it doesn't happen immediately also. Yeah. And, it, and it's to teach people to stay consistent. The, the consistency of yeah. being like Jesus will produce the fruit. 
It's not the one moment of being like him. Are you consistently like him? Because we've experienced at our church where people have gone and accused or, um, uh, you know, gossiped or bad mouth or what, it, you know, you know what it's like as pastors because we didn't take their stand on things. But to stay consistent in our love for them and, and the doors open, we're not angry at them. Um, always welcome. What we've seen is that almost every single one of them have turned and come back and apologized because we stay consistent in our love. And, and I think that consistency is which uh, is like the area where a lot of people fail in. They try for, for, for a week or two and then they fail uh, or th then they change their ways because somebody else didn't respond the way they wanted to respond. But I do love the answer regarding the fruit. Mm -hmm. the, the fruit, the fruit, the fruits, the proof. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, is a, it is a different cultural time we're living in. Yeah, it really is. And I, I just I thank you both for sharing that. Like it was really helpful for me just to listen, uh, to engage with that too. And I, and I resonate with that. I mean, I, I know I am deceived or someone I'm lo lovingly walking with is in deception. And, uh, Andreas and Emery, when they can never say the words, I was wrong. Mm. <clears throat> or I see it from your perspective. Or yeah. I'm, I'm willing to entertain, like, <laughs> there's a yeah. different way to see this. That's always a deception. Mm. You know, uh, I can feel it even in my own heart. Like, sometimes when I'm reading through the scriptures, in particular, the New Testament, if I'm going through the Gospels, and it's really strange, but my heart can get so deceived where I'm reading it, and I'm reading it as though I'm Jesus in the story. <laughs> How crazy is that? Yes. Like, when, like, totally. <laughs> I've caught myself many times doing that. Jesus is always Jesus. And I'm not him. Like, I want to be like <laughs> him. So I'm either the Pharisee or I'm the one who needs to be thrown at his feet. Like, I want to be yeah. christ -like, But sometimes, because yeah. sometimes you can be in a position of leadership, like you're saying, um, you can forget, no, 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 no. When I am engaging my relationship with the Lord, I'm a child, I'm his kid. That's my posture. And so I know even in my own heart, that wrestle is, or sometimes I, I've had it happen on occasion where I'm, where I was preaching something, uh, teaching something. And afterwards the Holy spirit really convicted me because it was like, mm, that was a bit passive aggressive. You were calling somebody out. You were addressing something that needed to be public to be addressed privately. And I recognized even in that moment, there was some deception occurring in my heart. So mm -hmm. uh, the last thing I think I would say is I think it's sometimes, which is counterintuitive. I think sometimes it's easier for me to see my own deception quicker than I do recognize it out there. It takes me a little bit longer out there sometimes than it is to see it in here. But once again, if I'm distorted in here, then I can misdirect it out there and that yeah. becomes problematic. But that's where I trust the spirit is moving. The body of Christ builds the entire body. We need all the gifts. And uh, that's why we need them all, because yeah. we don't in ourselves have all of them. We need one another. And I think there's a danger, right? When we, you know, we know that God is for us. Like we're, we're his kids. We're created in his image. But when we say God's for us, that doesn't mean that God's on our side. Right. <laughs> like, yes. that's actually like yes. God 
to like our level of God's not on my, my side, because usually that's my flesh. Usually that's a part of me that is actually coming outside of, but God is for us because he actually wants the fullness of all he has given to us to be manifest through us. So I think that that's a dangerous place. And sometimes, and we're seeing this a lot in culture, and I think we can get caught up in this too. It's really dangerous. Um, and I, I say this to say for those who are listening to check your hearts, but if you're acting a certain way or doing a certain thing, because you say, well, that's what Jesus would do. I'm doing this. I'm making a stand for this because that's what Jesus would do. Well, actually take a step back for a second and say, no, I'm making a stand because I have a conviction to do this. And because I've prayed about this and God, I feel God has given me a peace to do this. Okay. That's okay. You can say it that way. Mm-hmm. Say Jesus would do this. So this is why I'm doing this. I'm making this stand. You know, Jesus is for, you know, even recently, you know, I heard a leader say, you know, Jesus is for the victim. Jesus would stand for the victim. Well, Jesus would stand with the victim and he's also for the perpetrator because he wants healing for everyone. And so be really careful. And I think in this deception realm, we can just get really caught up in believing that what we're doing, we're doing because Jesus would do that. Rather, I think we should take a step back and say, okay, God, I'm going to pray about what I feel like I should do. And if I'm doing it from a conviction, okay, say that. I have a conviction that I need to do this. Okay, that's fine. But to say Jesus would, I, I think that's a caution I just want to put out there that I think we have to be really, really careful of, really careful of, especially now. We see it everywhere. Sure. Yeah, the, sure. there's a scripture that says God resists the proud. Now. That I know many proud Christians that and that resistance from God is because where pride leads. So it's there's a there's a reason why why sometimes God is the one resisting us because of where it leads. Pride leads to a fall. It leads to disaster. So, yeah, and so, we all battle that at different yeah. times, right? I mean, pride creeps. We all have pride, but sometimes it creeps yeah. in even more. Yeah. And that is. Yeah. That is, and that's, you know, I heard a pastor once say, um, or I don't think it was, I can't remember who it was, but they said that the greatest risk that we have as church leaders is that we get so busy with the things of God that we neglect God. Yeah, yeah. And that it's always stayed with me because now having been in full-time ministry, pastoring our own church for 12 years, that is the biggest culprit that we face as church leaders. We can get so busy with the things of God, the people of God, the and they're all beautiful, important things, but we neglect God. Like when, when am I there to say, okay, God, you now check my heart because I'm like you, Jason. I have many times read the word and I'm like, oh, this is that person. This is that person. Oh, this person, I should send them the scripture. And I'm like, ah, maybe he's trying to talk to me today. <laughs> but it's it's because that's the danger of a teacher's heart. When we have a teacher's gifting, every opportunity is to teach and we forget to be taught. Um, and so th- that definitely is, is a danger, but you were sharing, Lori, I want to share this little story about that deception that we can recognize. Uh, there's a gentleman who attends our church and he stopped attending a, a few months ago before Christmas already, because 
everybody was not wearing the masks when they were supposed to wear the masks. And he was very mad and took it to Facebook and some not lovely things that came from that. Um, and we just kept extending grace, extend love and said, you know, we recognize where this fear is coming from and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he came to church this last Sunday for the first time since October. We've never really had conversations and the message had nothing to do with any of this. But after the sermon, he came and he said that it was a powerful message. And he said, I have a conviction in my heart and I need to go back home and make things right. Because he said, I haven't tithed since October because I was mad because people weren't wearing masks, but God convicted me this morning and I'm going to go back home and I'm going to be back paying my tithe, which I withheld. And I looked at that and I said to Andreas, like, that is so beautiful to me. It has nothing to do with, with like his heart, the fact, and that's what I want to be. I want to be able to recognize when I've been in deception, when I've allowed lies to infiltrate my mind and and that's pride, right? I mean, let's just face it. When we respond in that way, it comes from a place of pride. I am right. You are wrong. But I also want to have that teachability to say at any time, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come correct me. And when we have that combination, because we're going to be deceived, we're going to live in deception. We're going to be filled with pride. It's just part of the flesh. The enemy knows how to get us. But to be able to have that turn and that teachability, mm -hmm. that is to me what my heart des desires because we can't walk away from ever being prideful or being deceived, but we can walk towards, and that's part of discipleship yeah. that towards that place of constantly being in that posture of God, I'm teachable. I'm humble. Show me if I'm wrong and correct me. And um, that is, that is Jesus. That's Jesus's heart. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. so good. I think for me, as I listen, you know, what I would want anyone who's watching or listening to pick up on, you know, we sort of talk shop um, the inside of church is we don't think pastoring is the hardest job in the world. We don't actually, I think that there's lots of other jobs that are much harder. Um, yeah. Children uh, pastoring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, think stay-at-home mom is a much harder, I think a stay-at-home parent is a yeah. much harder job. Like I think there's a lot of hard like sure. jobs are really difficult, but in following Jesus, I think that, pastoral ministry is one of the most blurry. Um, and that again is, I think, you know, I think about a lot of people when they go to work, they just go to work, but when sort of like God and following Jesus and, and all those things is also your vocation is also yeah. what you do for a living that has metrics and performance and lots of things tied to it. Um, it's blurry. And so I would just want mm -hmm. them to appreciate how blurry it can get and have grace for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is why yeah. we're trying to actually do, as pastors even, heart strong together. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so as we sort of wind down this conversation, I think it would be beautiful if maybe each of us just took a turn to maybe encourage somebody who it might be discouraged in their own discipleship journey. Maybe they're feeling defeated. Um, maybe they're feeling like they're not walking in the fullness of abundant life that Jesus has for them. What might you say to them if they're sort of in a, a down place in or a difficult place in their relationship with God on their discipleship journey, um, just struggling right now? What might word of encouragement might you have for them as we kind of round this conversation down today? I can go first, because as you just shared that, um, I just felt single 
parents came to my heart. And I think if you're a single parent and you're listening, one of the hardest jobs, as Jason just said, I can't imagine. Uh, and I, I walk, we walk alongside single parents and I know how hard that is. And one of the hardest things with discipleship when you're in that season is to try and find the time, to try and find the time where you can just say, I'm not going to be responsible for anything but right now, but just be discipled and get in the word. I want to encourage you to just do it. Just create the time. There is not going to be the time. You're not going to have that time. You have to create that time. And so make that choice. But then secondly, ask for help. There's people in your church body, in your circle that want to see you become the best version of you and become more like Christ. So ask for help. If that means saying, can you come to my home once a week and watch my children so I can go sit in Starbucks and catch up on my heartstrong videos? Or can you hold me accountable? Can you come over here once the kids are in bed once a week and we can do this together? Ask for help. Be creative. And set yourself up to succeed because in that season that you're in, it is hard. You cannot do that on your own. So make the choice to do it no matter how hard it is and ask for help. Those are the two things I want to share with any single parents that's listening. Um, my encouraging word will be for uh, people who are discouraged, um, meaning you feel like, yeah. You feel like, man, um, I don't have the energy or the time for this. And that can be anybody, that pastors, leaders. Um, um, and I, I have found myself at that place many times. And what I have found when I am discouraged is the thing that gets me out of it is my thankfulness. Um, it's me taking account of my life. And, and start thanking God for specific things, not just, oh, thank you, God. Start being specific about the things that are on you. You might not have the perfect job. You might not have the perfect relationship or perfect children or perfect health. But you start thanking him for the breath that you have. And you start help, uh, thanking him for the home that you have and the, and the plans that he has for you. And what I have found is that is for me, it's, it's almost like it's a Holy Spirit activator in our lives. It's like it's it cranks. It's like that the wind up of the Holy Spirit inside of us that gets me to a place to be more motivated than, than I've been before. And and when I find myself discouraged, it is because I know my thankfulness um, has been lacking. I, I've been I've been neglecting my thankfulness. So to anybody listening that feel discouraged, even about taking on Heartstrong or taking on any program. Just start thanking him. If you're on a treadmill, walk and start thanking him in your head. If you, if you are at home at night before you go to bed, start thanking him. And, and I do believe that your discouragement can change and you can feel encouraged to become more like him. Mm -hmm. That's good. Oh, that is so good. I love that. Well, you know, for me, I think the encouragement would come in. I believe that if you engage in Heartstrong, and again, as, as we are sharing with you in our intro video, um, you can engage at any level. So it's not like I have to do everything in order to get something, but if you engage it and you're intentional, your life will be different in six months. I, I really believe that with all my heart, your life will be different. If you get into the word of God and study it every day and let it speak to you, your life will change. But my, my true encouragement on this journey is that you would 
embrace the, the journey of vulnerability of being known. We want to know you and, you know, nobody is going to beat the door down to get to know you, to get to really, really know the intimate part of you. You actually have to be intentional to be known with people, Mm -hmm. to ask questions, to invite relationship, to connect with people. You have to actually initiate that. But I want to encourage you to do that with all of my heart, because there is something so beautiful for you on the other side of being known by others and being known by God. And I know that's so scary. And even as I say it, I'm a little bit like, oh my goodness, because this is a vulnerable place for every single one of us. But part of this conversation today was like, let's get onto the inside of what God is speaking to us of what, how we're wired of what we're thinking of what keeps us awake at night, because we want you to know us and we want you to be known. We want you to initiate that. So that's my encouragement for you. Be known, find a place to be known. And we just want to get to know you in Heartstrong. So we're so glad you're mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And really, really briefly, cause I think that all, everything you shared is really beautiful. Um, but I would just say appropriate perfection. And in a, get it in the right spot. You know, perfection is in Jesus who said that he'll never leave you or forsake you. So if you're discouraged and you feel alone, um, you've blown it, uh, you know, maybe through the actions of your own or someone else's actions have affected you, or just the last two years has been too loud, too divisive, and you've pushed away. Um, I want you to know that God's love for you hasn't changed. Jesus, when he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, he meant it. However, he's not the only one who has a plan for your life. And so while you're alone, you are very vulnerable to be picked off from the enemy. And so the step that you need to take is now in your following. Again, you're not going to follow perfectly. It's never the goal, but you need to follow faithfully and honestly. So like, you know, Pastor Lori or Andreas or Ermory have said, Pastor Lori, Andreas and Ermory have said, um, take your, make your next step an obedient step, step towards following Jesus, whether it's coming back to church, whether it is re-engaging in a small group or a life group or a Bible study or heart strong, whether it is in those environments being known. And yes, it's a risk. And yes, you're surrounded by imperfect people who don't always see and will love you perfectly, but you've got to take that step. Because again, it's not enough just to be able to give you nice platitudes to say God has a a purpose for your life, though we believe it, so does the enemy. But we get to choose which one we step into. And so again, if you're discouraged, if you're alone, then God loves you. He's with you. He'll never forsake you. And then from that place of security, who you are in Jesus, take an obedient step and watch what he'll do. Well, thank you, um, Emory and Andreas, uh, for spending this time with us today and having a conversation. And thank you to all of you who are listening uh, to this conversation today. It's just been a joy to spend a little time uh, with you all. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the Heartstrong shop with all kinds of awesome merch like hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs to remind you of this awesome journey of discipleship that you are on. 
Log in to heartstrong.life to access all your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible boot camp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.